Father, in that day that we arrive in heaven, no doubt we will all put, be put to shame considering how much we think you love us compared to how much you actually do love us. Father, as big as that can be within us, it's still going to be so far away from the reality of how much you care about us, how much you desire good things for us. And so, Father, we will endeavor to increase our faith, to see bigger, Father, to see more of the reality of your life in us. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, for your goodness and mercy and kindness. Father, we thank you that that love extends even into the natural realm where we reside. It extends, Father, to the healing of our bodies. Father, you didn't limit your love to only the spiritual realm. Father, every realm that you've created, the spirit realm, Father, the natural realm, the realm of the soul, Father, every realm is touched by the love of God. And so, Father, we thank you that your love is greater than we can imagine. It's more powerful, Father, than we can measure. We thank you, Father, for the great and mighty love of God. Thank you, Father. That is the foundation for all that we believe of you, Father. That is the, the platform, Father, that we build our faith upon. We thank you, Father, for your goodness and mercy. Thank you, Father. And Father, we thank you for these things. And we give you all praise and honor for the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Does the Lord really love us that much? You know, the brightness of a thousand suns will pale compared to how much the Lord actually loves us. Amen? Sometimes we, we say that we know that the Lord loves us, but we act like we're red-headed stepchildren, right? That he doesn't even know our name. Hey, you, that guy right there, right? No, he, he loves you more than, uh, more than you think he does. Amen? More than you can imagine that he does. That's how much he loves you. And over the years, different times and seasons of my life, I've had uh, revelations of, of, the lo- of the love of God just towards me. Uh, it'll change your life. I mean, if, if you'll get the revelation of how much the Lord loves you, uh, you know, we deal with so many things in this life. We think it's hard. Or we think, you know, somebody's against us. We think that somebody's uh, not happy with us. When you uh, uh, understand and appreciate how much the Lord loves you, it just don't matter what people think about you, what people say about you. Like, well, well, we don't like you. And I'm thinking, oh, oh you, you don't like me, but the Lord loves me. Yeah. Well, you, oh, but you don't like me? Well, compared to that, and, and the Lord loves me? Well, that's not even worth the time of day, amen? Uh, and, and yet, uh, so many people's lives have been sidetracked because of what other people's opinions are of them or what people have said about them. And, you know, they're embarrassed because, well, they don't think good about me, you know? And, um, you know, there was... a in one of the uh, city meetings, uh, it was brought up about some property that, uh, that I happened to own. Uh, and then somebody on the, on the council said, made a remark about, oh, them rich preachers. <laughs> in a negative way, right? Oh, them rich preachers, you know. Uh, and and uh, you think I care what some dinosaur says about me? I'm a child of the Almighty God, right? Uh, and uh, uh, what's that? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't know if he, uh, but the implication was I'm a crooked, uh, I'm a crooked preacher and got my money by shearing the sheep, right? Uh, and and then um, that's how I was able to buy property in the city. Like last time I checked, my father walks the streets of gold. I don't need your, your rusty old pennies. Uh, and so it's, uh, um, uh, and, and so did I correct what he thinks about me? No, because God loves me. So what if some, some old dinosaur doesn't think, you know, doesn't like the, that I'm a, 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 a prosperous minister? Um, I'm not going to do anything to correct that lie or to, to, uh, to, to set him on the right course of what he should or should not believe about me. God loves me. Uh, and as long as I stay in good graces with the Lord, uh, what's it matter what, what any human being says about me? Amen. Uh, and so I'm not going to change the course and direction of, that I'm in as, as a minister uh, if it bothers people that I'm prosperous, 
you know, I'm probably going to double up on that. Yeah. Uh, and because uh, you know, there's there's just something good about sticking your thumb in the eyeball of religion. You know, some some. Just, I'm not going to lie, cheat, or steal to get there. You know, but uh, uh, and my goal is not to get things so it bothers people. But uh, uh, you know, that would be an, an invalid uh, goal there. But it doesn't bother me if I walk in faith and the Lord blesses me, and it bothers people. Amen. I'm not going to be ashamed of it. And I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to flaunt it either, but uh, I'm not going to, to cower uh, at, at the feet of religion. Amen. And so, because the Lord loves me. Amen. I know he loves you too. Uh, you know, I just know that he loves me more. And so uh, that's just the way it is, right? So anyway, praise God. So uh, let's open up our Bibles for the book of First Peter. We'll continue there today. So uh, Dr. McCrossin has been going through, uh, he's called it Four Witnesses that, that God is our healer. Uh, and he started with the book of Isaiah, which is, is a great and solid witness. We spent a lot of time just looking at what the book of Isaiah said about, about the healing. Uh, and so he kind of starts there at the book of prophecy. And now he's over here in Peter uh, want, wanting to look at what Peter says about this. Of course, you can't hardly look at what Peter says without going again back to the book of Isaiah because they're connected. And it's a repeat of what the, what the Lord said, uh, prophesied in the book of uh, Isaiah. But let's start here in 1 Peter 2.24 and read what it says. It says, Whose own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Well, every, every normal Christian would, be, would read that statement and believe that that's so, right? That uh, he bore our sins in his own body on a tree. And you think about that, you know, how, how did that, I mean, what's that even mean, right? We don't really know what that means. I mean, how do you do that? How, how does he take my sins that I'm not even committed yet, you know, I'm not even here and yet he knew the sins that I would commit thousands of years after he died. Somehow he reached out to the realm of the spirit and time and pulled that sin out of time uh, back into his own body. And he bore that, right? Uh, uh, and, and really when he's saying bore that, he bore that sin, but he also bore the punishment for that sin, the judgment for that sin. Uh, so that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness. Uh, so we have the ability to live unto righteousness because our sins have been paid for. Now, every normal Christian will believe that. Uh, I mean, every denomination will believe that, right? Uh, you got, you know, from the Baptists to the Presbyterians to the, you know, uh, to the Methodists, everybody's going to believe that particular part of the verse there. And then it concludes the verse is, by whose stripes you were healed. Well, he didn't do that part. Well, you believe he did the first part? Well, well I mean, is this like a, a line item veto? You know, the, uh, in some, uh, the president doesn't have the right. Uh, when they send a law to the president, you know, the, the way they write the laws today is, is as corrupt as they possibly can be, right? When they write a law to the president, you know, the Congress, the, the Senate and House of Representatives write a law, and they'll, they'll say, well, we want to, you know, we want to give money to, you know, whoever, right? Israel right now is a big deal. Uh, and, um, uh, and so, but all the other cricket politicians do, they say, well, let's also build a bridge in Peoria. Let's also build, you know, a super highway in Alaska. Let's also, you know, build a library with my name on it down in Texas. Uh, you know, so if you want the, the, if you want the money for Israel, you got to do all these other things. Well, uh, many years ago, they tried to, uh, the president said, well, I'm going to veto the portions of this law that I don't like. That's called a line item veto. Well, uh, you know, we want the, we want the uh, support for Israel. That's fine. We'll accept that. But we're not going to do the bridge. We're not going to do the library. We're not going to do the highway. And, of course, the Supreme Court struck that down as being uh, unconstitutional, which it really is. Uh, and so, uh, but he tried it. Amen. Well, Christians are trying that today. You know, we read the whole verse, but we don't like that part. So we strike that part out. You know, we, we'll take the first part about the sins, but we're not going to take the part about about the healing, amen? So the Christians exercise line item veto all the time, amen? Uh, and it's unbiblical. Uh, just like with, this, with the president, it's, un, it's, un, it's uh, unconstitutional. Uh, with, the, with the Christians, it's unbiblical to do that. You can't pick and choose the phrases that you like or the phrases you're willing to accept and reject the rest of the verse, amen? And yet, uh, how many, how, for how long have we been doing this? As long as there's been Christians, right? First, you know, first letter Paul wrote, he wrote it, uh, I think the first letter was maybe First Thessalonians uh, from a historical standpoint. And so the, the, the church at Thessalonica got the letter, go, yeah, we, well, we don't like that. that, we don't like that part right there, you know. Yeah. You know, when that first started, probably the first time they read the letter, right? 
First time he sent a letter to the, Ro- to the Romans there uh, in Rome, Italy. And, oh, yeah, this is great. Well, we don't like that part right there. Yeah, uh, but um, uh, it's amazing, and I'm glad that, that uh, the editors didn't take those out before we got the chance to read it. Amen? Uh, and so when, when Peter wrote his letter here, his epistle, uh, no doubt somebody goes, yeah, but well, you love that part about the sins, but this healing stuff, no, we're not, we're not doing that. Uh, but, but if the sins are so, if he took care of our sins, and we believe that's so, then it has to be so that he also took care of our healing. Amen? Uh, and so, uh, and uh, we find that same uh, connection throughout the Word of God that oftentimes sin and sickness go together. Uh, and so the forgiveness of sin and the healing uh, of sickness also go together oftentimes. It's not, it's, always, it's not a mandatory connection, but we see those two things together for a reason, because a lot of sickness and disease is due to sin. In fact, really, all sickness and disease is due to sin, but it may not be due to your sin, right? There's sickness and disease in the world because somebody else sinned, and primarily Adam, you know, he allowed all that into the earth. If he hadn't sinned, if Adam hadn't sinned, there would be no sickness in the earth today, right? course, if Adam hadn't sinned, then, then we wouldn't be dealing with the, with the difficulties we are right now. Uh, would somebody else have sinned? I, I don't know. Not, it's not, that's a philosophical question, right? It's not a biblical question, so we're not here to discuss philosophy. Uh, and so uh, he, he uh, Dr. McCrossin goes and reiterates that this is a, a repeat uh, of, uh, of the prophecy given in Isaiah, but if you notice, uh, Let's go ahead and read Isaiah 53, 5 again. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. So that, the last part of that, uh, with his stripes, we are healed. Peter repeats that. But notice in the prophecy of it in Isaiah 53, that the way he says it, it's with his stripes, we are healed. It's interesting that prophecy uh, is stated as, as present fact. We are healed. Not we are going to be healed. Not we were healed, but present fact. Because uh, the Lord, you know, we, we call it prophecy. The Lord is prophesying in the future. But for the Lord, it's as real today as it will be, you know, in the thousands of years uh, that it took to, to actually occur. Uh, but then Peter, knowing that it was, it was done in the cross, then Peter could use and change the tense of the verb to being past tense. By his stripes, you were healed. Because the stripes have actually now occurred at the cross, and so now it's past tense, right? You were healed. Uh, and, and he brings out the point that uh, the word uh, stripes there uh, in 1 Peter 2.24 is really uh, a singular verb uh, for bruise. Uh, and he, and uh, we'll talk a little bit uh, here in just a minute why that matters, that it's not a plural verb, a uh, plural word sent in, um, uh, in 1 Peter there. Uh, and so... Uh, uh, he says that it means bruise or the bruise uh, by the bruise of him. Uh, and you remember we talked about the Septuagint, which was the Greek edition of the Old Covenant, right? The Old Testament. Uh, and uh, if you actually pull up the, the uh, Septuagint uh, and look at the Greek words used for stripes in Isaiah 53, then it's the same Greek word that was used in First Peter. So even though they were written hundreds of years apart, uh, the language that they use uh, was the same exact word there between Isaiah 53 and 1 Peter 2.24. Uh, and so where he says, by his stripes you were healed, he mentions that that particular word, uh, the Greek word for that was used uh, 28 times in the New Testament. Uh, now he does say uh, that all 28 cases of that word healed was in relation to physical healing, uh, but we're not going to go through them all. If, you're, if you want to go do that, you can look up. You remember we, we talked about the, the uh, Greek numbers, right? The Strong's numbers for that. The Strong's number for that was uh, 2390 for the word healed. Uh, and you can pull up your Bible app. You type in G2390, and it shows you every verse in the New Testament where that particular word was used. Now, you'll find that there's 28 verses where that was used. If you read all 28 verses of those, now, I can only find 25 where that word was used in actual reference to healing. He said all 28 were used for that. Uh, there was three of them that, that I thought were talking about other things. And so I'll let you go through that. The, the point of it is that the vast majority of times 
uh, 25 out of 28 times, it was always talking about physical healing. If that's the case, then whenever you see that Greek word uh, for healed, then uh, you can be sure that, that it's more than likely talking about physical healing, not about spiritual healing or healing of, you know, uh, flowers or puppies. It's talking about the healing of your physical body. Uh, and so uh, he also mentioned that uh, the Greek word for physician Remember one time they talked about Jesus uh, telling them that physician heal thyself. So that word physician in the Greek is also derived from that same word healed. Uh, and, you know, of course, some people that the, uh, in some, in some um, locations, people that will lay hands on folks or people that provide uh, medical services are called healers, right? Uh, and just from, from a um, uh, from society standpoint. Uh, and so... So all these all these words are um, all these words are together, right? All these words are, are similar and they're related. Uh, so, uh, and that and that's again we mentioned earlier about how that's a valid way to study the Word of God is look up every verse where that word is used, read the context of that verse, and you get an idea of what he's trying to get across from that particular word, right? And so, if twenty five out of twenty eight times you read that verse with that word in it and it's talking about physical healing, then it's pretty uh, solid. Uh, a guess that uh, that's what he's trying to get across, that this word is primarily used for healing, right? Uh, and so, now, uh, when, he, when he said that uh, by his stripes you were healed, we said that that word stripes there is really a singular version of the word bruise in the, in the Greek. Uh, and again, you know, we're not trying to make Greek scholars out of everybody, but people that are, you know, I let somebody else do all the hard work of, of learning Greek and understanding all these things, and then they can write a book like this, <clears throat> and then I can just read and go, oh, okay, that makes sense, right? I don't have to be a Greek scholar. I, let, I can let somebody else be that Greek scholar for me. But, it, but the point that he wanted to make is, in the Greek, there is a uh, plural word uh, for stripes uh, or for bruise. But in First Peter, it specifically is used a singular word. Uh, and so, and he said, because of the way Greek works, is Greek says, if you, have, uh, if you have multiple things and you can distinguish between those individual things, then you have to use a plural verb, right? So if you've got uh, one cat, you know, well, that's obviously one cat. If you've got two cats, well, you can tell the difference between two cats, right? You've got a brown cat and a, and a black cat, so it's two cats, right? Uh, and so he said in the case here where the stripes were, if it had been uh, in, Jewish, in Jewish law, uh, it, it was the the rule was um, you couldn't have any more than thirty nine stripes, uh, and that was the limit, right? If you go back to the old covenant, it says you know you can be beaten, but no more than thirty nine times. And Paul uh, was beaten many times, thirty nine stripes, uh, because he was a, a Jewish person, and the Jews would beat him. Uh, and so if he was being beaten under Jewish law, he couldn't have any more than thirty nine stripes, which sounds really merciful, right? Uh, no, it was. It would not be merciful. I mean, the way they beat you the, with these, uh, uh, the way the the tools that they used to to put the stripes on you uh, were not uh, uh, were not kind. Amen. And they were very painful. Uh, and so, thirty nine was still a lot. Uh, but uh, if you got if you say had thirty nine stripes, you know, you could probably look at that and go, well, yeah, there's one. You probably count them, right? One, two, three, because of of the uh, uh, of the pain that it inflicted upon you. But if you were beaten so much that you could not distinguish between one stripe and another stripe, then the Greek language says, well, then since you can't distinguish them, it's just a stripe. Uh, and so the whole point of it, that uh, it, it implies, it, it gives us insight into how much uh, uh, agony Jesus went, uh, went under for our benefit. That to the point that you couldn't distinguish from one stripe to the other stripe. And so therefore they used a singular verb and that so that and that's the point of, of that discussion is well why did the greek language use a singular uh, noun there stripe instead of a plural which would make sense because he was did he have actually more than one uh, time that they they hit him with with the uh, with the whip yeah many times right but when it got to be so bad that you couldn't distinguish between one stripe and another because he'd beaten so much then then you reverted back to the singular uh, noun there of stripe or, or singular noun, singular noun of bruise there. Does that make sense? Uh, so the whole point is uh, why, why and, and so Greek scholars would read that and go, well, then why? You know, they would, they would ask the question, why was this singular uh, noun used 
for stripe singular instead of the plural would seem like it makes sense to use a plural, right? But because of the way that, you know, Greek was a very uh, analytical language, it's very uh, uh, technically accurate language, and so they, they insisted that uh, if you can't distinguish between them, then, then it's, you've got to use the singular. It doesn't matter what you know happened. It's, it's what you observe there as the case. So the re- resulting uh, situation with Jesus is that, uh, uh, that you couldn't distinguish between the stripes because there were so many of them. Uh, and the reason why that was is because uh, he wasn't beaten under Jewish law. He was beaten under Roman law. Uh, and, so that's, and that's why the Jews wanted to take him to, to Pilate, right? So the Jews didn't want to, remember Pilate said, you go deal with him. And, and, and they're like, no, we don't want to deal with them because if we deal with them, two things happen. Number one is we can only uh, beat them 39 times. And number two is we are not allowed for any, to execute any capital punishment. Uh, and so we want you to deal with him, Pilate, because we want him murdered. We want him beat severely uh, within an inch of his life, and then we want him murdered. And so we want to pass that over on to you, uh, Roman soldiers, because uh, we are constrained in our law to do that. Uh, and, so, and that's what they were hoping for, right? And you remember uh, later on, uh, uh, as they were, as they were um, uh, chanting uh, towards Pilate, you know, crucify him, crucify him. I remember one time they said, let, uh, uh, let his blood be on our, on our heads and on our children's heads. And then later on, you know, uh, the, uh, some of the apostles are preaching to them, and they said, you're trying to put his blood on our, hand, on our heads. Well, yeah, that's what, you, that's what you asked for, right? You asked for that to happen, right? And, and so, no, they're like, well, no, that was 39 seconds ago. You know, uh, we've already forgotten that we've done any of that. Uh, and so, uh, and of course, that happens a lot of times too, right? They're, what are they trying to do? They're trying to rewrite history. Uh, now, you know, just from, from a cultural standpoint, you know, you should never look at the whole Jewish nation. Well, you guys murdered Jesus. But the Jews didn't murder Jesus. It was done by the direction of the Spirit, by the Father God, right? It was by his will and plan that it happened. Yeah, they, they were used to do that. But if it wasn't the Jews, it had been, you know, somebody else. Uh, and it was also the Romans, too. The Romans are actually the ones who executed it, but they did it by the, by the, uh, by the instructions of the Jews. Uh, and so, and besides that, yeah, some Jews had Jesus crucified, but some Jews also established the gospel in the world, right, including Paul. Uh, and so don't be mad at Jews. Well, I'm mad at all Jews because some, some of the crusades, right, happened because they're going to go punish the Jews for crucifying Jesus. Yeah, but they also brought you the gospel. Uh, what, what about that? They changed the world because they were willing to preach the gospel. So, yeah, the leadership of the Jews did crucify Jesus, uh, but, the, uh, uh, but the, the fishermen of the Jews brought the gospel to the world, amen? So don't forget that, and, and you shouldn't have uh, bigotry towards anybody anyway, right? Uh, the, uh, that's, not, that's, not, uh, uh, that's not something the church should be involved with. So, so the, uh, and that brings, I mean, that's a lot of information just from one, from the tense of one noun, right? Uh, or not the tense, but the, the, the plurality of one noun, that's a lot of information that we can glean from that. Uh, and that's why I appreciate people who study these languages and, and pull out information that's uh, valuable to us. Amen. Uh, and so uh, then he also mentions um, Isaiah uh, 50, uh, verse 6. I think it'd be good just to read that, that verse there as well. And so this is another prophecy uh, about the Lord Jesus and what he's doing. Uh, and the thing that's amazing to me is, uh, you know, uh, this is from Isaiah. This is a prophecy. It says in verse 6, Isaiah 50, verse 6, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off my hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. Well, that's exactly what Jesus did, right? How, how is there any Jew left in the world that's not a Christian? You know, any Jew that, uh, that, knew, that could line up what Jesus did with all the prophecies, right, uh, and, of course, they'll look at some prophecies about the Messiah and how he's going to th- throw off the, the, uh, the bands of, of uh, uh, people like the Romans. And they say, well, he didn't do that. Uh, and it's like, well, yeah, he didn't do that yet, but he will do that. But look at all the things he did do. Look at everything that he did. And you can look at it, uh, nearly every single thing that Jesus did, and really everything that we have record that he did. And you can go back to the Old Covenant and see where it was prophesied he would do that very thing. And so uh, even down to the minutia of of uh, having the hairs plucked off his face, right? 
You know how much that would hurt? You ever had just one, uh, just one, you know, every now and then I have, you know, I have like a wild hair, and Chris will see like a wild hair on my hand, and she go in there and just pluck it, you know, pluck it, and like, ow, that really hurt. You know, well, just think if you had a whole, you know, Jewish nation, uh, having a beard was a big thing, right? You have a whole beard, whole, uh, whole uh, you know, facial hair. And, uh, you know, I'm the youngest of 11, so they kind of ran out of a lot of, lot of hormones by the time they got to me, it looks like. And so, you know, I, can't, I couldn't grow a, a Jewish beard. You know, I couldn't, if, if they said, you've got to be a Jew, I'm sorry, this is all I got. You know, it's, it's the best I can do. You know, I couldn't grow a big, long beard, you know, and all, all these things. And so, but they could. Uh, and, and the Roman soldiers would go over there and just rip it, rip it out of his face, right? You, can, you think about how painful that would be. And yet it, it says that he, uh, back to Isaiah, he said, I hid not my face. You know, uh, well, why did he not hide his face? Because uh, Jesus knew that if he allowed that to happen, that he's paying for your health today. That every, every hair that was plucked from his face, that that would pay for cancer or brain disease or leukemia or whatever it is, that it would pay for uh, the right for you to have uh, perfect health in your body today. And so he, he didn't turn from that. He didn't, he didn't hide away from that. Amen? Uh, and so, and you think about, uh, you know, of course, the scriptures also talk about how uh, Jesus, that uh, he was marred more than any other man, didn't even look like a human being. Uh, and you think about, um, uh, and I've thought a lot about this too, you know, this was done, it was specifically the Roman soldiers had did this to Jesus, right? The Jews didn't actually inflict this pain upon him. They just uh, kind of threw Jesus to the Roman soldiers and got them to do that. Well, what did the Roman soldiers ever have against Jesus? Did he ever preach against the Roman soldiers? He never preached against them, right? Uh, did Jesus, uh, I mean, John probably did, right? Don't we know John talk, uh, preached against Herod? Uh, but in occasion, John would, uh, would call people like the Pharisees, uh, vipers and snakes and things. And, um, and, but some of the soldiers would come to John, remember some of the things that John has preached about, said, you know, don't take more than, you're, than what you're paid, right? Uh, because the Roman soldiers oftentimes would coerce uh, citizens to give them money. If you don't give me money, I'm going to throw you in jail. And, and so, you know, there was some corruption, no doubt, in the Roman ranks there with the soldiers. But as a whole, the Romans didn't have a whole lot against Jesus. You know, they just kind of tolerated, as long as he wasn't messing with nothing, they kind of just tolerated a lot of stuff that went on in the Jewish nation. You guys take care of, of your religious laws, and we don't really want to deal with that. And so, you know, why is it that the Romans inflicted so much pain upon Jesus? Uh, and you've you got to go back and, and understand, uh, once that started, once the, once the trial started there from the time that he was in the Garden of Gethsemane to the time he went to the cross, he was under all those, those trials. And I say trials, they weren't really trials, you know, but they were attempted trials. Um, Jesus wasn't saying anything, so he wasn't sticking up for himself. Well, that alone right there makes a lot of Roman soldiers who are very manly, you know, think less of you, right? If you don't stand up for yourself, then you're not, not much of a man. But from the spiritual standpoint, the spiritual side of things is where the issue was. Uh, and so uh, who's motivating these human beings to inflict this much pain upon an, another human being? Well, it would be the demonic forces, right? Uh, and did, did, did the demonic forces knew who Jesus was? Sure. Did they know who Jesus was even more than hum, the humans did? Sure. You know, uh, my opinion is from just my reading and, and understanding how the disciples related to Jesus, that it really wasn't until Paul came along and gave us the revelation that Jesus was actually God, right? Uh, he called him son of God. He also called him the son of man. But he was actually God, one of the, one of the, the, the Godhead, right? The Trinity. One of the Trinity was on the earth. Uh, and, uh, you know, they thought him as the Messiah. But most of the Jewish nation, when they said the Messiah or thought of the Messiah, they always thought a general, right? A natural general that would come and overthrow the, the bonds of, of, of the Roman Empire and deliver uh, the nation of Israel like Gideon did and like the judges did, like the kings did of old. And so when they saw the Messiah, they thought he was just a natural well-gifted uh, leader uh, of the army. Uh, they didn't really see him as, the, uh, as uh, we, they called him the Messiah, right, which means the anointed one, but, you know, they thought Gideon was anointed, and he was. They thought David was anointed, which he was. But they didn't understand that, that, you know, he was God himself. Uh, and so, but the devils knew he was, he was God himself. They saw him. It's like, 
oh, yeah, you're the one who threw us out, right? You're the one who threw us out of heaven. You're the one who, who uh, took everything away from us, which, of course, is not true. It, they, they did that upon themselves. Uh, and so, so you think about how much pent-up anger does the devil have against Jesus? That the, the devil, was, he, he, he was called Lucifer, right? The anointed cherub thrown out of heaven, removed from all authority in the earth. Uh, how, how much anger does the devil have pent up against Jesus? And then he's going he's gonna to influence people that are not godly people to, to do something to this physical body. So you, you think about how, uh, how much rage, how much wrath was in these hearts of these Roman soldiers. And they're probably wondering, why are we so mad? Why, why is there so much anger? To, toward, we don't even know this guy, right? Well, but, but we hate him. Why do we hate him? I wonder if any of them ever paused long enough to, to wonder, why, why, why do I have such a desire to inflict mortal pain upon this individual? Uh, and it's because of the spirits behind that. And so you, uh, you know that those spirits uh, would, have, would have doubled and tripled it up you know, on Jesus uh, for retribution of all the things that Jesus had done as God, right? And, of course, they, I'm sure they don't understand. It's like, well, we don't understand how he got here, why he's here, but he's here, and we have a right, we have a right in, in this moment to inflict this pain and agony upon Jesus. We're, so we're taking advantage of that, of the situation. Uh, and, 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 and so if you understand the whole picture, then you understand why, again, one of the reasons why it was important for Jesus to be born of a virgin was so that he would have a body that was like Adam. Remember, in 1 Corinthians 15, he's called the last Adam. So his body was, was made exactly the same way that Adam's body was made, which means it was immortal. It was not subject to death. So if Jesus hadn't, remember, he says, I lay down my life, right? So if he hadn't laid down his life on the cross, he would have, he would have been healed. His body would have survived. He would have recovered from, from, the, from the destruction of the uh, uh, of these trials and the, the destruction of the crucifixion, he would have survived <clears throat> because he had a body that was not subject to death, but he chose to make himself subject to death. Uh, and so, uh, and he, the only way he could have survived this much pain and agony was to have a body that was not subject to death. Now, it still felt pain. It's still, it still, you know, we know that Jesus had to eat. He got tired, you know, so his body was in many ways similar to ours, but it had the ability that it was no longer subject to death, right? It was immortal. If he had not given up the ghost on the cross, he would be physically here with us today. Same thing with Adam. If Adam had not sinned in the garden, he would be alive today. He would never have died, right? He would have physically lived forever. And so it was necessary for Jesus to have a body that was capable of withstanding the pain and agony that was, was necessary to receive in order to pay for your healing. Uh, so that first of all, that, that means that you and I would not have been qualified to uh, to be the substitute for anybody, right? Well, Lord, I'll just I'll just I'll, I'll just take it on myself. You'd have gotten three stripes, crawled up in a fetal position, cried like a baby, and, and just died immediately, right? Uh, but Jesus, you know, he he stuck around long enough because he could. He had that ability to do that with, with the body that he had, that with the body that was given to him. In fact, the Bible says, "A body hast thou prepared for me." Uh, and so when the father made the body of Jesus, he, he intentionally uh, gave him a body that would be able to withstand this long enough to pay for your, your healing. Uh, and that's a big deal. I think it's a big deal, right? If, if you get the insight on that and think about that, about how much God put, uh, how much effort God put into ensuring that you have the right to be healed. And then, uh, and then I think about how little regard much of the church uh, considers this act. You know, well, healing's not important. It seemed like God the Father thought healing was important. He put a lot of effort into making sure that Jesus was capable of handling this much uh, torture for your benefit, and you write it off like it was an unimportant thing. Amen? And people say, well, healing's not a, you know, uh, the, sin, dealing, the sin problem is a lot bigger problem to deal with well, in, in, from a spiritual standpoint, it was a lot bigger problem, but not in the natural realm, it wasn't a, a bigger problem. In the natural realm, I mean, the, the, the majority of the things that occurred to Jesus in the natural realm was to pay for your natural healing. Uh, 
Uh, and so all, all the beatings that he did all through the night, right, all the stripes he took, right, all the plucking of hairs from his face, all of that was uh, for your benefit, right, uh, so that you could receive healing today. So, uh, you know, so sometimes it does bother me when I hear the church uh, show so little regard for the work that the Lord Jesus did for them in the area of healing. Uh, and, and to me, it, it, uh, it diminishes uh, the work of the Lord Jesus. Amen. We should elevate the work of the Lord Jesus, look at what he did, thank him for doing that, and then receive the results of that work uh, to our benefit, because that's what he intended it for, right? He came and paid for and gave you his blood for the washing of your sins. We accepted that and took advantage of, of that benefit for us, right? That we can walk free of the guilt of sin, and we're thankful for that. Well, then we should also take advantage of the stripes that he took on, on our back and walk free from sickness and disease as a benefit to us because that's what he intended it to be. Amen. He, he didn't do this for no reason. He did this for a reason. Um, uh, and so if he, didn't care, uh, about, um, if he didn't care about your physical body, then why did he do all this, right? I mean, he could have just pricked his finger and just did a few drops of blood, and that, that's, that right there is for your, your sin. Uh, you know, he didn't have to be beaten beyond a recognition of a man to bleed, you know. First stripe, he was bleeding. Uh, and so it, it's... Uh, Sometimes I wonder about the church, you know. We should hold everything that Jesus did in high regard, amen? And so, uh, so, he, so he finishes up with Peter there, and he goes on to Paul. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and look at what Paul says here. So he's kind of going through um, and looking at uh, what different authors or groups of authors said in the Word of God in relation to healing and just kind of making the case that, you know, these things are for us today, right? Uh, and so uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it says in verse 19, it says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and, and you are not your own? He said in verse uh, in 20, For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Uh, and so, uh, it, and um, I want to read one translation, it says, uh, where it says, uh, that uh, you were bought with a price. One trend says, you have been redeemed at infinite cost. So how much did it cost to redeem you? It's an infinite amount, right? And so what's the only substance in, in the universe that's worth an infinite amount? The blood of Jesus. You know, if, if you had to put up yourself uh, as, as the purchase price for redemption, uh, you know, you'd go through, they, they'd have to get, uh, 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 what do they, they call the people who tell you how much your house is worth? Appraise it right. If they had appraised you, they'd be like a dollar ninety-five, right? Uh, and look at Jesus; that's infinite, right? That's he's worth infinite. And you, you're, well, you're dollar ninety-five. You're sixty-eight cents. You know, okay, you're really special. We'll give you two bucks for you, right? I mean, how long would it take to add up to infinity? Then you never get there, right? Because it's always plus one, right? It's more than what that you got. Uh, and so, but people, people try to make that deal. Lord, I'll just do this on my own. And Jesus was like, well, uh, you owe a gazillion dollars. You're going to pay me one dollar a month. Uh, you're never going to get there. And so uh, you were redeemed at infinite cost. <clears throat> and so, uh, but it's, it's interesting here in verse 20, it says, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So uh, this is just a small aside here. But uh, uh, what makes up a, hu a human being on the earth? What parts make up a human being? Spirit, soul, and body, right? How many of those are mentioned here in, in verse 20? Two of them, right? Body and spirit. So what's missing? Soul. Uh, do we know why? Why soul is missing from this list? Yeah, but why is it missing from the list? That's the question, right? Uh, well, we we do it, get our minds renewed. What's that? <laughs> uh, well, and I'm not saying all those, all those answers are wrong there, uh, but um, you know, he he purchased our bodies, he purchased our spirits, uh, but what what makes up our soul? It's our mind, will, and emotions. And uh, what, what's the most important part of those three? Will. It's your will, right? So Jesus didn't purchase your will because you are a sovereign being. He doesn't own your will. 
you have to choose to, to give him your will. Amen. Uh, and so he can purchase your body, which means if he, if he owns your body, then, then um, you know, just like if it's a landlord, who owns the building that you live in? Well, the landlord does. Who's responsible if you get a hole in your roof? Is the tenant responsible or is the owner of the building responsible? The owner is, right? I mean, that just makes sense. So uh, if your body is owned by Jesus, right, therefore glorify God in your body, which is God's, if there is an issue in your body, who is responsible for the repair of that issue? Uh, I mean, the owner is, right? Uh, uh, and, and that should not be a, a deep, you know, well, that's so deep. It's really not that deep. It's just common sense, right? That whoever owns it is responsible for the maintenance of that thing. If you rent a car uh, uh, and something happens to the car, are you responsible to go down and fix it, right? I mean, if, unless it was your fault, but if, if it's just something, I know we rented a car one time and, and like the whole back wheel nearly fell off. Well, are we responsible to go get it repaired? No, it was the owner of the, the car that we rented, the company that we rented it from. Uh, and so uh, they're responsible for that. Uh, and so if you just, I mean, just that verse 20 right there, if you meditate on verse 20, you'd have to realize, well, the Lord's responsible for this. And it's like, well, well, he's not responsible for natural things. But he bought your natural body. It's not your spiritual body. It's your natural body. He owned your natural body. So why would not he not be responsible for the repair and the maintenance of your natural body? Amen. I mean, you're, you're responsible as, as a tenant. You're responsible not to ho- knock holes in the wall, right? You're responsible to keep the heat on. You're responsible to, you know, you're responsible to clean it. Uh, uh, you know, and since even though the Lord owns your body, you're still responsible for washing it at least once a week or so, whether it needs it or not, right? Uh, it's still your responsibility to do the things that you're supposed to with that. But uh, ultimately, who's responsible if something malfunctions in it? Well, it should be the owner of that body if something just, you know, if it's still under warranty, and it is as long as we're breathing air on this earth, it's under warranty, we should be able to go to the owner and say, hey, I'd like to, I need to place a claim that uh, th- this, you know, McGillicuddy switch is not acting right. We want to get it replaced. And the Lord's like, okay, well, it, it belongs to me. I guess I need to replace that, right? Uh, and so... Uh, and so he didn't include our souls because our free will always remains with us. Amen. We get to choose uh, every day of our life if we want to, uh, if we want to uh, yield to the Lord. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, so we are bought with a price, right? We are bought with a price. So what, it, what is the price? What was the medium exchange? It was, it was specifically the blood of Jesus, right? Uh, and that's important because, uh, you know, the, uh, I know around here we talk a little bit about how uh, things, phrases like uh, plead the blood. Anybody know that phrase, right? Plead the blood. It's not really a biblical phrase. You won't find it anywhere in the scriptures at all, even that phrase at all anywhere in the scriptures. Uh, but oftentimes people will use that in, in connection with uh, protection, right? If you're traveling, right? Lord, we plead the blood over them as they travel. Uh, sometimes in deliverance, you know, someone's got a demonic activity. Lord, we plead the blood over them. Uh, and it, it sounds good, right? It, it, it's good theater, uh, but it's not biblical at all. Amen? Well, we have authority. When we travel, we exercise our authority that no harm will come my way in the name of Jesus. That's how we, that's how we operate, right? Uh, if we're casting out devils, he, Jesus said, in my, in my what? Name they shall what? Cast out devils, right? He didn't say, by pleading my blood, they'll cast out devils. And so when you plead the blood for deliverance, the devils are like, please say that again, because it does, we, we are not required to do anything in response to that statement. Uh, and so, and when you're traveling, you know, uh, uh, Lord, uh, uh, you know, we plead the blood over them as they travel. The devil's like, say that again, because I'm not required to, uh, he's, because uh, he's, in that sense, you know, the devil's like, I don't even know what you're talking about, but say it again. Because, uh, so if I don't know what you're talking about, I don't have to do it. But if you say, in the name of Jesus, we will go to the other side. We will arrive safely. And the Lord, uh, we, can, we can quote Psalm 91, where it says, He gave His angels charge over us right, to keep us in all of our ways, lest we dash your foot against a stone. In the name of Jesus, right? Uh, and so the author, the, it's the authority of Jesus that releases the angels to do uh, the work of God on our behalf. Uh, and that's all well and good. Uh, but uh, are we diminishing the blood of Jesus? No. What was the price for our redemption? It was the blood. It wasn't His body. Right? It wasn't the, the, the stripes that he took that, that purchased our uh, uh, redemption here where he, where he bought our, um, our bodies and our spirits. That was purchased by the precious blood of Jesus. The stripes were there to purchase our healing, right? To pay for our healing, but not for our uh, removal of our sins, right? And so, 
Uh, he says, uh, and he quotes Revelation uh, chapter 5, verse 9. Uh, he says, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood, out of every kindred, tongue, and people, and nation. So <clears throat> he, uh, the word redeemed here uh, in Revelation 5, 9 is the same Greek word that was used for bought in 1 Corinthians 6.20. Uh, and the word redeemed means the purchase out of the marketplace, right? So uh, when you say, well, I'm redeemed by God, well, what does that mean? Well, it means you were purchased, right? That, that you were purchased from somebody, and so ownership was transferred. So, so who was the somebody that owned us prior to uh, the completion of redemption? The devil did, right? He had legal, he had legal ownership of hum, the human race until the Lord Jesus arrived. Uh, and so he had, uh, so in order, so the Lord Jesus didn't steal us. He bought us fair and square. He went to the devil and said, what's it going to cost to get, to get humanity out of hawk? And the devil's like, mm, you know, a million, uh, uh, in, infinity. That's what he said, infinity. And, and, and the Lord's like, who do I make the check out to? You know, because he didn't think he would do it, right? He didn't think that it was even possible. It's like, it'll cost infinity. And so, uh, made out to the sorry devil, signed by God, right? <laughs> and, and it's it has uh, their account already taken care of. They just have to do the final uh, transaction of accepting that work on their behalf, right? And of course, a lot of humanity will miss that opportunity for some reason. They will choose not to accept that opportunity, and will die and and go in hell. Uh, and when they get to hell, you know, the devil's going to laugh at them. Oh, glad you're in hell. Yeah. And like, well, I'm just paying for my sins. And the devil's like, actually, your sins have already been paid for. You just never accepted the work that was done for you. You know he's going to tell him that because that would make you t- feel twice as bad, right? You wake up in hell, you think, oh, I'm paying for all my own sins. And it's like, actually, you're not paying for any of your own sins. You had a zero balance. You just have required to accept that work that was done for you. Uh, and, and so how much worse is that going to make you feel? It's going to make you feel twice as bad, right? Uh, and so... Uh, but they were, but we were redeemed, right? And so John there in the book of Revelation says that the price for our redemption was the blood, uh, blood of the Lord Jesus. So we don't ever want to diminish the work of the blood. You know, when I say that you shouldn't use the word, the phrase pleading the blood, you know, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that to diminish the blood. I'll, I'm trying to keep us in line with the word of God and how faith and authority works. Amen. So we don't want to uh, use other things to replace the name of Jesus, which is what people are often doing by pleading the blood. They're trying to replace the authority of the, of the name of Jesus with the pleading of the blood. And yet there's no scriptural foundation for that. If there had been some verses that said, you know, in so and such case, or even by example, well, Paul went down there and pled the blood uh, and the devil left them. Okay, then, then we could do that, right? We don't have any doctrine. We don't have any examples where that, where that, uh, that was used in that context and yet, I mean, you know, we hear people all the time in our circle still using that phrase, right? And they, and they probably tell you, well, I'm still going to say it. Well, that's fine, you know, you won't get any work out of it. Nothing will happen, but, you know, say it, right? You could also say twinkle, twinkle, little star. It has the exact same effect, right? I mean, Mary had a little lamb, you know. I mean, it has the exact same effect of saying plead the blood. Uh, but, but hang in there, right? Keep on saying it. Okay, fine, right? What's that? Go for it, right? No problem, you know. Uh, no, no, not going to affect me. I'm not going to be mad at you or anything like that. Uh, I will feel sorry for you, you know, and, and say, bless your heart. Uh, but, um, you know, and so anyway, it, it, is the blood of Jesus uh, powerful? It was powerful, right? I mean, it was able to redeem the entire humanity before, during, and after the, the uh, existing of Jesus on the earth. That's pretty powerful, right? Uh, and so we'll, we'll probably fin- finish there. We'll continue on. So he goes through, uh, Paul's got a lot to say about these things. And so he, he's going through and talking a lot about uh, redemption uh, and um, uh, and how that he redeemed us. So he he purchased us out of the word redeemed I means to purchase us out of the marketplace. And, and so you really have to meditate on that about how when we were redeemed uh, by God by the work of God, he had to go into a, a business transaction with the devil, a legally binding business transaction with the devil. He didn't overthrow him. He didn't bully his way. He didn't strong arm his way to 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 jerk us away back from the devil. He went to the devil, got the price uh, for the transaction, paid the price for the transaction, and walked out uh, with, uh, with a legal contract that now we are purchased by God. Uh, and, and so 
I think some people would say that, well, that's heresy. I didn't write this stuff, you know. The word redemption is all through the New Testament, amen. Uh, is redemption a valid doctrine? Well, it is, right? Uh, and so everybody, well, yeah, we were redeemed. Well, what's that mean? It means we were redeemed. Yeah, but what does it mean to be redeemed? Well, it means that, that God redeemed us, right? They don't want to actually use the definition. We, it was purchased. We uh, purchased out of the marketplace. Uh, but you have to, that's a good thing to meditate, because I've meditated on that for years about, about how this works. Because if you understand that, see, it, it starts putting things in place. Like, well, God didn't just come down as a, as a general and, and delivered us from the, the bonds of the enemy by being stronger than him and going through warfare and winning. No, he went down there and said, what's it going to cost? And the devil gave him price. I'll, I'll take it, right? Uh, and so that was the deal, amen? Is that heresy? No, we didn't. Is this a, it's a valid biblical doctrine, right? But you have to really meditate on that a lot to get that settled in your heart that God didn't come through and just kick the doors open and, and just, you know, uh, basically steal us away from the devil and no they do that at all uh it, it was very uh a very boring uh contract you know with a lot of zeros uh, on the end of that check there amen and so we'll pick this up next week continue looking at things that paul said about uh, about the purchase of our our uh the healing for our bodies amen and so let's let's pray and thank the lord for his word today so father we do thank you for the word uh father we thank you that your word is so that if you purchased us, Father, that we understand that the price was the blood of Jesus. And, and so, Father, we thank you so much for being willing to, to uh, provide that price for us, that you saw uh, that if, if all of us cost an infinite amount, then each one of us costs an infinite amount. <clears throat> and so, Father, we thank you that you're willing to pay such a great price. And, Lord, we, we give you the praise and the honor for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, come ahead, Mr. Darren, and receive the offering. And, you know, the way that uh, infinity works, infinity is not the sum of any numbers, right? So you can't go one, two, three, and ever get to infinity. That's not the way it works. Infinity is just a number. Uh, and so uh, it, uh, when we were in engineering school, we learned that, well, if you divide infinity by two, you know what you get? Infinity. Still get infinity. If you multiply infinity by two, you know what you get? Infinity. Still get infinity. So you can't divide infinity. So that means if there were, say, a million people uh, of humanity that needed an infinite amount to pay for their redemption, then if you take infinity divided by a thousand, what's the price? Still infinity. So that means that God paid an infinite amount specifically for your redemption, your redemption. And every single person, he paid an infinite amount for their redemption. That's the way infinity works, right? Uh, and so you got to just noodle on that one for a while too, right? Uh, and so, uh, you know, <clears throat> I mean, all of us would cost an infin infinite amount, right? Yeah but you individually also cost an infinite amount. Uh, and he was willing to pay the price for you. Amen. Uh, and so praise God. We'll be blessed. Uh, we'll see you next Sunday, right?